This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Is the U.S. heading towards a recession? That was the question many people were asking after the yield in the 10-year Treasury note briefly went below that of the two-year note last Wednesday. Known as a yield curve inversion, it's not a normal occurrence and has been a precursor of a coming recession in the past. That caused stocks on Wall Street to fall sharply lower with the Dow Jones Industrial Average posting its biggest loss of the year that same day of 800 points. Economists have been looking for signs of recession for the last couple of years as we seem to be about due for one based on past history. President Trump blamed the recent volatility on decisions made by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, moves by other countries, which he says are hurting American interests, and even on the media. The Fed is expected to cut interest rates again at its September policy meeting, most likely by a quarter of a point. So how worried should we be about the economy and where it is headed? Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel joins me here in studio. You also know him very well as co-host of Behind the Markets every Friday here on Sirius XM 132 at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Good to see you, Jeremy. Great to have you here. Happy to be here, Dan. So where do you put the concern level of recession at this point? Well, first of all, it's a very interesting question. Are we heading for a recession? You know, the question of, you know, will we eventually have one? Yes, of course. The question is, like, within the next year or year and a half. Um, And... Right now, outside of the yield curve, there are no real signs that we're heading for a recession. And most of the experts that I look at put it for next year at about one in three, some a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the the question is, is that inversion worrisome? Uh, I've been teaching macroeconomics for almost 50 years. And one of the graphs I do show is the relation between long and short interest rates. Mm -hmm. And there is no question uh, that when the long-term interest rate goes below the short-term interest rate, that that has been in the past an extraordinarily um, reliable indicator of a coming recession. Mm -hmm. In fact, there has only been one episode in the late 60s where such an inversion took place, and it was not followed by a recession. Okay. Now, one should also say that the period of a recession, it's not like in six months or three months. Right. It could be a year and a half. Um, you know, it may start actually then <laughs> after the election next year as everyone's speculating what's going to happen to Trump's chances if if it comes actually before. Well, so there is a, a variable time period in which it does come. Now, with that said, I will will say that there are certain factors that are leading to lower interest rates, which may make it less threatening this time than in the past. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I you know have been on CNBC and other news stations, and in terms of your statements about the Federal Reserve, I actually think that they should be moving the uh, Fed funds rate uh, down 50 basis points. Really? So down a half point? Yes. 
Well, okay, yeah. so let's get into that because that's obviously the next thing on the agenda, I think, for for a lot of people, is the fact that the that the Fed is scheduled to meet in a couple of weeks. Uh, and, in fact, uh, Chairman Powell, they're, they're going to be meeting out in Utah or Montana, I believe it is, right. the, the, the annual large meeting that they are having. Yeah, ja- Jackson, Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. That's Wyoming. Right. That's yeah, right. Jackson Hole. And, in fact, uh, this Friday, Powell is – expected to deliver an address on monetary policy. Uh, now, let, let me also say is that, you know, all the reporters are there and they will glom on every word, but... <laughs> Lots he, of live uh, shots yeah, out there I, in Jackson I, Hole, yeah. I, I, and, and you might be able to extract a little bit of a hint, but they are very careful in those meetings not to okay. reveal their hand, and yep. I think it's September 18th is the next meeting. So but we, the, are, we are a month away from the actual next meeting. But it seems like it, it's almost a 100% certainty from a lot of the reporting that we see from a variety of areas that we will see another rate decrease come September. I, I, I would say the probability is, is, is definitely very, very high. Uh, right, again, just for our listeners, the Federal Reserve controls the very short-term interest rate called the Fed Funds interest yep. rate. That's a very important interest rate because all short-term loans are really based on on that rate, the prime rate, LIBOR, et cetera. Um, that rate right now um, is 2.10%, 2.15%. Okay. Uh, the 10-year interest rate is 160, lower yeah. by almost 50 basis points. That's quite an inversion. Mm-hmm. Um, the 30-year, the which is our longest last week, for the first time in history, drop briefly below two percent. It's a little bit above two percent right now, mm. but we had we have never in the two hundred and how many forty year history of the United States ever had the longest term bond that the government had outstanding ever drop below two percent. It did last week, right? And, and I think there's already an expectation that that we could see the rates dropping even farther. Correct? Well. So the, the 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 big question that a lot of people ask is: Are these declining interest rates on long term? Are they because the central bank is lowering the short term rate? Yeah. Now again, central bank does not control the long term rate. Not that their actions don't influence market participants, right. but they only control the very short term interest rate. Right. Um, uh, I have been stressing for many years in my classes and in my public lectures that the long-term interest rate is being influenced by fundamental factors that go far beyond what central banks in the world are doing today. Meaning? Uh, Such such factors as demographics, the aging in the workforce, the longer life expectancy. This is causing more saving, pushing more and more people into bonds. Okay. There's only so much supply that's driving up their price and lowering rates. There's another very important factor that has been going on. Long-term treasuries have become the hedge asset of choice. Now, what right. do I mean by that? When things are bad, when you see the stock market down a thousand points or whatever, you will see treasury bonds jump up in price. Sure. These, whenever you have an asset that moves opposite stocks, 
or risk assets. They become very desirable in investors' portfolios because they lessen the risk. And what we have now is a tremendous number of people are piling into these bonds, not just because they think the yield is good. The yield is not good. It's that, hey, you know, if something happens in the stock market, right. I got my treasuries. Right. My losses are going to be less in, yeah. in the bond market than it would be on, on the stock and market actually, right now. And actually, been, there's been studies of correlations, and never before, at least in post-World War II history, has the treasury bond ever served better as such a risk diversifier as it does. Today. So it, it then is there at play, and looking at the dynamics, as you kind of said a moment ago, is there, as you see it, an instance at play here where we have this inversion put in play and we're not headed that's what I mean. For a, when for I said a recession. That, that's why, especially that hedge demand, which is pushing long-term interest rates down, makes it less threatening than in the past. Right. However, so you, people say, well, then we might not. Should the Fed lower the short-term rate? I, it is still, in all my study of interest rates in history, it is normal for the short-term rate to be below right. the long-term rate. Right now, at 215 for the Fed funds rate, that is the highest rate in the developed world for any maturity. I mean, right. the, the Greeks on, now can borrow 10-year bonds lower than that rate. It makes well, no sense. Well, and, and you've got the German Bund, which is actually and negative my, right now. Way and, negative. And, and France is negative and Swiss is, uh, is even negative. Even more as, negative. Japan is negative. All the long-term, almost all the 10-year bonds in Europe are negative, uh, except for some of the more risky countries uh, there. Uh, so... You know, that turns out don't, – don't forget, the, the, this, this short-term interest rate, the Fed funds rate, is the most liquid asset in the world. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like a demand deposit for a bank. They can turn it into cash instantly. It's short-term. Yeah. Um, it's paid on their reserves, on trillions of dollars of reserves. That liquid rate, in my opinion – should be below the long-term borrowing. So then let me let me expand this even more because one of the, the things when you look from an economic perspective is that people want to know also how much does some of the negativity that we see in other parts of the world in terms of the economy, and we think more specifically Europe being, being one of them, uh, how much impact does that actually have on... U.S. rates. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, people are, you know, have been moving from Europe to the United States. Now, let me also say, people say, well, why don't even more people do it? There's such a, a gap today. You know, the 10-year uh, Bund is now minus 0.70 uh, 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 percentage points, which is minus 70 basis points. You know, we're at 160. The the reason why is because uh, the dollar has been pushed very, very high. So. Yeah. Foreigners now going into the dollar, yes, they get a better interest rate, but there's a real risk that the dollar will depreciate in the future. As you know, we're running a huge trade deficit, current account deficit, and yet our dollar is high. So right. that's what is, is actually balancing it. They they want to go into the dollar for the high interest rates, but they're afraid of the high rate. That determines the high rate and the other. By the way, one of the important things, I mean, we even though – we may not go into a recession. I mm-hmm. definitely think we are in a slowdown. Okay. Um, 
most experts I follow think that this quarter is around 2%. Uh, for growth. For growth. Yeah. And, you know, last year we had three. Now it was revised down to two and a half with with uh, uh, with uh, other uh, data adjustments. But we are in, in a slowdown, and many people uh, believe that if the, you know, Trump trade wars continue, it's going to fall into the ones. Right. And, I um, mean, you know, so we, you know, it, it, it seems reasonable to me for the Federal Reserve to provide insurance policy and a boost here. Should there be an expectation with as long as this this economic rebound has gone on that we would see a point at some point of going from three, three point two percent growth down into the twos. Yeah. And, and maybe even, as you said, yeah. slipping into the high ones. Yeah. Now, so so let's 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 talk about that a little bit. Um, the the recovery that took place from the financial crisis, which was, you know, very severe recession, mm-hmm. um, uh the the recession, which actually ended in uh, in, in June of two thousand and and eight, was very disappointing in terms of the GDP rebound. Right. Um, so we have had we are in the longest expansion in history, but it's been a very disappointing expansion. Yeah. So the the average GDP that we have really had in that growth in that recovery is 2%. We normally have 3 to 3.5%. Sure, yeah. Now, it did go, even with the downward revision that we did get in 2018 for the Trump, uh, Trump The tax did, cuts, yeah. Yeah, the, the tax cuts helped to the point that actually during the quarters that the Trump has been president, it has been a little higher. Now, yeah. I'm not going to say you know it's cause and effect. It's because of Trump. Right. It was part, the partly is the tax cut that definitely helped. Yeah. I do think there's a little bit of of uh, easing on uh, some of the uh, you know the, some of the restrictions um, uh, regulations on the economy that boosted maybe a little bit there. Yeah. So it has gone up a little bit, but now we're sinking right back down and maybe even a little lower than the average we got during the Obama right. administration. So. Now, again, you are right. As we have moved to a 10-year-plus expansion, and, you know, I said, two, you know, 2009, actually, so we, you know, we're, we're, we're already, you know, 2019, yeah. to the longest we're expansion. 10-plus at this point. 10-plus expansion over here. Yeah. Yes, at that particular level, we are it, – it, there's – you would expect that to begin to shade down. But we also have to realize, people say, isn't this, aren't we already long in the tooth? We're going to die a natural death because it's the longest. Right. We have had some countries that, like Australia, that have gone over 20 years without a recession. Uh, Great Britain uh, did not have a recession um, in 2001. It went from right. 1990 to the financial crisis. It had 18 or 19 years. Right. So it's not that necessarily we're due for one any time. These uh, we we have the potential, I think, if we don't mess up policy, um, to keep this expansion going for three or four years. The the. I, maybe it is partly because of how significant the recession was the last time, 
But there's also, I've seen quite a bit written lately about levels of recession, about the impact of a a recession, and that there is a differing level of impact that you may see from one to the other. Obviously, 10 years ago, it was a significant impact. It was one of the severest, if not the severest recession in the post-war period. It depends on how you measure it. Just about hit the same as we had in the 1982 recession. I've seen uh, people write about the fact that there have been times where there has been recession that has had very little impact, and really you haven't seen the impact almost till the end of that well, cycle. To, and to, to your point, the the impact uh, of the, the we had a very brief recession in, in two thousand one two after the dot com bubble burst, right? And there was also nine eleven in there, right? Uh, we just barely had a recession. It right. was actually the mildest in our history, right? So you're right. I mean, we. I mean, there were certain things we felt. Unemployment did go up and everything, but in terms of actually GDP and other factors, it was the mildest in the history that uh, uh, that we had. So you know, we barely had a recession there. And as I said, some countries in Europe didn't, and that's why they went all the way from the 1990, which was pretty much of a worldwide recession, all the way to the financial crisis, which is you know 2008, and they went 18 years. So the other component that I wanted to bring up with you is, is obviously we've talked about the economy in you know on a larger scale, but there is also the element of of, of the consumer yeah. as well, and the impact that the consumer is feeling or not feeling from this economic recovery, because mm-hmm. a lot of people say, well. In part because even though we've had the the 10-year run here and we've seen growth, the impact for the the average consumer has not been as good Mm. as it may have been in in recoveries past. Well, what what we've seen, GDP growth has been disappointing because productivity growth has been disappointing. And when productivity growth is disappointing, real wage growth is disappointing, and it has been right. the slowest real wage growth in any recovery. However, despite slow real wage growth, the consumer is actually carrying the economy in 2019. What we've really seen a slowdown and what people fear might get worse if there's more tariff um, escalation right. is business spending. So right. what most economists I talk about worried about, and they're not really worried about consumer spending at this point, although, you know, at any time it could turn south. We got a little bit of a little disturbing reading from uh, uh, one of the consumer, con- uh, the, I think University, the University of Michigan, Michigan sentiment report. That, yep. that was yep. down. However, yep. not seriously. And don't forget, they, they have been very robust uh, on in general. Um, but business investment, we a lot of people, a lot of business saying, listen, I'm, 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 I don't know where it's way this tariff is going to go. Right. I'm putting off my decision. So economists are more worried that capital spending is going to be the uh, initiator of the next recession if we have one. Is there a correlation then between that that lack of business development spending and maybe not an immediate one, but eventually one with the consumer side as well? Because, oh, because if the business is not willing to make investment in new infrastructure, new equipment, whatever, the employees see that, and eventually, I would think they take that and, out with and, them, and that means there's going, there's no productivity growth, which yeah. lowers real wages yeah. and all the rest. I mean, you know, consumer sentiment is, uh, you know, people say what are the most important ingredients? Well, immediately, interestingly enough, it's gasoline prices and the stock market. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But 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 there's there's a broader 
aspects of it. You know, I mean, if they hear unemployment is rising or they 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 see in the news statistics are bad and firms are cutting back on their spending or whatever and, and all that, that. You know, that can be a contagion, a psychological contagion that could actually snowball into a big drop of consumer sentiment that, you know, again, we all know consumers are two-thirds GDP. And, you know, if they go, there's very little way that, uh, you know, we can save ourselves from a recession. But at least in the short term, with the Fed having made the quarter point cut before, and if they make another quarter point cut, the consumers will see it. It depends on how it will. Is it, as I say, I really want a little bit more because even a quarter point cut doesn't put, unless unless the 10 year starts rising from 160, a quarter point cut would would put the Fed funds rate at about 175, 180, 185, and that's still above 10 year. Um, so I mean, it's still a little bit of an inversion of still paying more on cash. It doesn't make sense to me for the Fed to be paying more in cash than people who invest long term, because then people stay in cash. Because you know, hey, why move out? Right. Uh, if you lower that rate, people will move out on the risk line. That will improve risk assets. That will improve the the cost of capital for businesses, uh, and will maybe shore up some of that falling uh, business sentiment that that we've been getting from the trade. But in terms of the, uh, the Federal Reserve, how, from a historical perspective, how unique would a a half point cut be? In terms of um, it was very they, unique. Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, it's review. It's usually reserved <laughs> for a, a situation where severe the, problems. So, with, a, yeah. a, a severe problem uh, does. Actually, the last time we we did have an interim meeting emergency cut was going in in two thousand one. Um, when we were slipping into that mild recession that followed the Dopcon bust, uh, and I, I guess it was a little bit before nine eleven that actually came a little bit later, mm-hmm. but the business suddenly dropped off on, and we're not seeing that now. But all sorts of indicators, the uh, the um, uh, purchasing managers indicators, the uh, the regional Fed indicators, and all sorts suddenly found out. And in January they did a fifty basis point cut to spur things on. And we had a mild recession still, but much milder than we would have had. So you're absolutely right. 50 basis points, especially if it's in between meetings, yeah. is like almost emergency. But we also do have to say, I have never seen a fall in long-term interest rates as fast and as deep. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, uh, you know, just uh, blows almost every economist. If you would ask a year ago, you know, with, with the with the 10 year rate, we are 150. It did actually fall slightly below 150 last week. They would say, no, it's impossible. We were heading towards three. We were above three percent. Would there be last December? We were above three. Would there be an, a, a call put out eventually uh, a, a, to to at least give the option of even longer term investing than the 30 year? Well, there are. I mean, people are experimenting with 50, 100 yeah. year. Yeah. In fact, I think the University of Pennsylvania just floated a 100 year bond. Did they really? Yes, okay. I think the, it was, uh, I think it was a medical school or, or I, I forget which of that. For the first time, a, a um, 100 year bond. 100 year bond. We've had other countries that have decided let's, let's go long term. And in fact, there have been recommendations for the U.S. Treasury to yeah. say, let's go 50, 60. Or more now. So, what are your thoughts on those ideas? Yeah, I would, I, I, I would do it. I mean, actually, this is a great time for the federal government to float bonds and do that infrastructure. 
yeah. that we need to do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's ever going to be cheaper than this. Um, uh, and you know, I mean, obviously, this was something that was promised by both the Dems and the Republicans, and nothing is getting done on it. What's your sense right now on the markets and where they're headed? Because we've talked to you over the last couple of years, and you've been tagged to Dow twenty five k and whether or not we could get close to to thirty k on the yeah. on the Dow Industrial Average. The S and P actually, it, if you start from January one till now, it's up about two percent. If you go year over year, it's up fifteen percent because we had a big decline in in mid December of right. last but year. The year we we're almost flat. You're right. Yeah, yeah it was an article today so, uh, that mentions that. So this is my feeling. Um, if there's no agreement on the trade and there's still threats and there's threats of 10 and, and threat of the 25, I see no progress in the stock market for year end. In fact, right. yeah, I would say it could be lower. If we get a deal, uh, we'd be up 10 to 15 percent from where we are today. So that would put us into the 27, 28 range. Yeah. But then the, again, the from a swoon down December that we were there already. That we were, yeah, really, really there. Year to date is a little bit distortionary because yeah. of the dive that we actually had last yeah. December. Great to see you, Jeremy. Thank you. As always. All right. Jeremy Siegel from here at the Wharton School Finance Professor. And as we mentioned, you hear him every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sirius XM 132 as uh, one of the co-hosts of Behind the Markets. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 